It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. And just like that, we are back to sucking. Welcome back. We had a little interlude where we thought we were good. A little interlude where we had some great wins at City Field. But two days in Chicago, and it's back to basically the majority of this season. Welcome to Rico Bronia. I'm glad we're doing this pod after losing the first two games to the Cubs. I mentioned last time on the Rico we were going to record uh, this special day because I am unable to record at the end of this Cubs series. But even if I was able to record at the end of the Cubs series, I think it's a good time to start talking about this team again because these have been two brutal losses that are really the microcosm of all their struggles prior to the great comeback against Tampa Bay. A lack of big hits, an offense that's mostly limp, and starting pitching, that is very, very tough to watch. Tyler McGill was a disaster in game one. Kodai Sengle wasn't a disaster in game two by any stretch. Because at the end of the day, I always say this. You're judged by how many runs did you give up? How many innings did you pitch? Everything else doesn't really matter. But he put a country on base over the course of five innings and was very fortunate and also really good where he would be able to make the big pitch when he needed to, to get through five innings, allow three runs. And the story was the Met offense did nothing. But let me start with the first game of this series. Let's break down these two games. There's a lot of emails to read because there's a lot of frustrated Met fans. This series begins with Buck Showalter right before a pitch is even thrown, pissing us all off. Because the lineup we got, on Tuesday night on the heels of a five-game winning streak with the way Francisco Alvarez is playing, with really all the good feelings that we had, got eliminated right away because there were two issues with the lineup on Tuesday night. And I'll start with my biggest issue. My biggest issue was no Jeff McNeil. That was my biggest issue. I tried to talk myself down off of it by saying, look, he's trying to give him an off day. Jeff McNeil has played every game they have played this season. Even if he hasn't started every game, he's gotten into every single game. Maybe Buck is just trying to keep his guys fresh. But then Jeff McNeil entered the game in the seventh inning anyway. So throw that one away. So he takes McNeil, who was nine for his last 21 and was hitting on the homestand, and he sits his ass down essentially for Tommy Pham. Not for Eduardo Escobar, because I have no problem with Escobar playing. Eduardo Escobar had great career numbers against Drew Smiley. He was 8 for 14 with four home runs. And look, you could disagree with me. Shoot the messenger if you want. I'm okay with that. When a guy has such great career numbers against another pitcher, and it's not that small of a sample size. He isn't 3 for 5. He's 8 for 14. I got no problem playing him. So my issue wasn't Escobar playing. My issue was Tommy Pham is playing. Why the hell does Tommy Pham have to play over Jeff McNeil? Issue number two, I'm sure this is the one Pete has, which is how does Francisco Alvarez not play? My only rationalization, and I was proven right when Buck admitted it, was his plan was to play Alvarez in game two and game three. And I've said this on the Rico, as long as Alvarez is playing two out of every three games, I'm good. So I would be a hypocrite to then scream and yell about that move if I'm good with Alvarez playing two out of every three games, which he's going to do, which he has consistently done. The problem was Gary Sanchez 
played like the end of the line Yankees, Gary Sanchez. He did crap at the plate. He committed a pass ball. There were two other wild pitches he needed to block. And oh, let's not forget a foul pop-up that the guy couldn't catch. So it took Yankee fans, for some Yankee fans years, for some Yankee fans months to turn on Gary Sanchez. It took us one day. We're done with him. Well, let's be perfectly honest. We're, we're freaking done with him. I can't live, and I'm being serious here, as bad as Tomas Nito is offensively, I can't live with that kind of defense behind the plate unless you're giving me Piazza offense. Oh, unless you're giving me a lot of offense, I don't want that. And, and to be honest with you, as a backup catcher for Francisco Alvarez, I'd rather have a defensive first catcher. I don't need another bat. Alvarez is my bat. So it's taken two starts. It's taken five minutes. It took one pass ball. It took a two wild pitches. It took one foul drop pop-up. Done with Gary Sanchez. Now back to Tommy Pham. So Buck Showalter decides to start Tommy Pham over Jeff McNeil. He strikes out twice in his first two at-bats. And oh, by the way, in the fourth inning, with the game still reasonably close, he drops a fly ball in left field. Buck Showalter's decisions, the two decisions on this lineup, A, to not play McNeil and play Tommy Pham over him, and then B, to play Sanchez over Alvarez, absolutely effed them completely. You got nothing out of Gary Sanchez, nothing. He made defensive miscues, and Tommy Pham can't catch a fly ball in left field. But that wasn't the only issue. That was not the only issue. I give a little bit of crap to Francisco Lindor. I got to give him some crap because go back to the second inning. Saya Suzuki, it's the leadoff home run. Okay, Mets are down one nothing. Tyler McGill issues a walk to Christopher Morrell. There's a runner on first and nobody out. Gets a ground out of Talkman, the pass ball, and a big strikeout of Patrick Wisdom. So it's one nothing Chicago. There is a runner on third and two outs. Tyler McGill has an absolute avenue to getting out of the second inning. And Pete Hoffman's best friend, Jan Gomes, hits a uh, ground ball to shortstop. That is not the easiest play in the world, but Francisco Lindor cannot make the play. I'm trying to remember because it's been a little over 24 hours. I think it was a bad throw that he made or he didn't come up with a clean. I can't remember specifically the miscue that Lindor made, but the bottom line was he didn't throw Jan Gomes out. And Jan Gomes is safe at first base. A run scores, it's 2-0. And the next batter, Matt Mervis, hits a Wrigley Field two-run home run. Good night. If Lindor makes that play, it's one nothing. top of the third, we all move on. And this is a Met defense that's been considerably better this year. No question about it. It was not in the opener of this series. It was not. Between Tommy Pham dropping fly balls and Gary Sanchez committing pass balls, and while Lindor wasn't charged with an error, I understand, it was a play I expect him to make. It's a play we all expect him to make. Beatty made an error late in this game. Not that it mattered. Game was out of reach. Uh, but it was a very ugly defensive game. And, and that was a killer. That second inning was an absolute killer. You make the play defensively if you're Lindor. It's one nothing. Now, that's not an excuse for Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill still gives up a two-run home run to Matt Mervis, the ninth place hitter. He doesn't have to. So I'm not exonerating McGill, who was not great in this game. 
but you cannot hand out extra outs. And the Mets did this a lot in game one of this series. But let's get to the offense, because quite frankly, the offense over the first two games, the tone was set in the top of the first inning of game one. You get a leadoff double from Brandon Nimmo, ground rule double into the corner. You have a runner on second, nobody out. The Mets have a chance to do something. They just don't do all year long. Score in the first inning. It's something they did so well last year. They haven't done it this year. You're facing a tough lefty and Drew Smiley, who's had a great year. You got a runner on second and nobody out. And Eduardo Escobar, who, again, I have no problem with him playing. Do I love him batting second? No, I don't love that. I mean, as great as the numbers are, and again, I I love the fact he's in the lineup. I'm good with him being in the lineup. I'm good with Escobar being in the lineup sometimes against left-handed pitching if you use him correctly. To bat him second? I don't know, man. I don't know if I do that. And what does Eduardo Escobar do? He can't even move Brandon Nimmo over. He grounds out the third. Lindor can't come through with a clutch hit. Alonzo draws a walk, and Viento strikes out. They waste right off the top a runner on second, nobody out. And let's face it, that's been the entire series so far. The entire series has been that kind of showing. Let's put a couple of guys on base and do nothing with it. They get the home run by Pete Alonzo, great. But then in the sixth inning of this game, in which they're sort of crawling back into it, because remember, it's 6-1 to one at this point after Tyler McGill got chased in the fourth inning. They're set up with the bases loaded and nobody out with four, five, six coming up. I'm starting to think, wow, they're going to do it again. This is going to be a hell of a comeback. They have Drew Smiley out of this game. You're facing the Chicago Cub bullpen. You got bases loaded, nobody out, and they score one run on a ground ball fielder's choice off the bat of Alonzo. But let's get to the play and the moment and the decision that really pisses me off. Bases loaded, one out. I'm sorry, now run scores, so I guess it's first and third and one out. Whatever the situation was, I think it was first and first and second one out after the Alonzo ground out, if we're being fair. First and second, one out, down by four. So you need one more base runner. But even if you don't get the tying run to the plate, you get a couple of those runs home. And now all of a sudden, a 6-2 game is 6-3, and it's 6-4, and it's 6-5. It's still early enough. It's only the sixth inning. You're in this baseball game, especially against the Cub bullpen. You have Mark Vientos coming up to the plate. Vientos looked bad against Drew Smiley in his first two at-bats. He's not facing Drew Smiley here because they've gone to a right-hander in Estrada. Okay, so here's our debate. Let's set this all up. Two on, one out, Vientos. Here are your options. Option number one, let Vientos hit. Okay, that's certainly on the table. Mark Vientos performed so well at AAA in which he hit righties, he hit lefties, he hit everybody, that I don't necessarily think you have to be afraid of the righty-righty matchup and pinch hit for him. So option number one, let Vientos hit with two on, one out. Option number two, Jeff McNeil. Option number three, Daniel Vogelback. You're not using Canna. You're not using Alvarez. So it's really those three options, right? McNeil, Vogelback, let Vientos hit. Now, I will give you my answer. We'll get Pete's answer, and then we'll find out what the brilliant manager decided to do, as you, as you remember. I personally would have pinch hit for Vientos, as controversial as that may sound. I'm trying to win the game. 
I got a guy who won the National League batting title on my bench. And while from a versatility standpoint, it complicates things because I'm entering McNeil into the DH spot and I take full account that if I if McNeil plays the field after this, I'm losing the DH. I understand that. I'm trying to get back in the game. I'm down six to two. Okay, it's not a two-two game. I'm not up by a run. I'm down by four runs. I need a big hit in this spot. If I don't get it, I'm not going to win the game. So I raise my hand to say I send up Jeff McNeil. Consequences defensively be damned. Pete, those are your three options. There's no other option, obviously. Vientos hits Jeff McNeil. Or Daniel Vogelback, what do you do? I'm going to go with you as far as McNeil would uh, get the nod because it's just the fact that I'm looking for a hit. I know he's the guy that's going to make contact and and will get most likely get on base because of contact, which will then lead to more runs. Now, however, if I had to choose between Vientos or Vogelback, I'm going to go Vientos all day. 100%. Daniel Vogelback has not done enough yet this season. And this is where I've turned on him. And I've been honest about this. I, Based on performance in 2023, I've got no reason to want Daniel Vogelback up in that spot. He's only hit two home runs. The best positive he has is drawing a walk. While a walk is fine, because it does bring the tying run up to the plate, I got to drive some runs in. Like, it's not the ninth inning. I it's the sixth inning. Go rip a double up the alley. And Vogelback hit the ball well. That's who Buck sent up, by the way. I think we all know the answer to this. And Vogelback hits the ball well, but it's a sacrifice fly. Big freaking deal. And I, I have a major issue with it. And again, I, I fully understand the complications of McNeil, your most versatile player, being used as a pinch hitter for the DH where you lose your ability to use him as a guy who can play anywhere in the field. I'll deal with that if I have to. You know what I mean? Like, he stays in at DH. I don't have to make any other move. I haven't pinch hit for anybody yet. And if I pinch hit for Eduardo Escobar later, let me see where I'm at. Let me see if I need to pinch hit for Eduardo Escobar. Maybe I don't. Maybe he's my best option at that point. I, you, I'm deciding to use my best option off the bench in the sixth inning because I got guys on base. That's my decision, and, and I, it's the right decision. Because the seventh inning, and that's when they ended up pinch hitting Escobar with Jeff McNeil. Yes, there's two men on base, but it's in an it's an inning later. Like I got to take my shot right now in this moment. And McNeil struck out in that spot. I, I admit that <laughs> it was with two outs as opposed with one out, and he was facing a different pitcher. So who knows what the outcome was? But I did not like the decision to pinch hit for Mark Vientos with Daniel Vogelback. And he doesn't come through. And then Starling Marte came up in a very big spot. He's cooled off since that big home run on Sunday, and he weakly grounds out. And then again in the seventh inning, they have an opportunity, and that's the aforementioned situation in the seventh where Jeff McNeil strikes out on a 3-2 pitch that I think was out of the strike zone, would have been ball four. And after that, you could put the lights out. Mets lose to the Cubs where they score two freaking runs. And they go 0 for 7 with rudders in scoring position. So we could kill McGill. McGill wasn't very good. He got knocked out in the fourth inning. And again, the Mets are forced to have to go to the bullpen early with Dominic Leone and Steven Nagosik and Jeff Brigham. That, that was a terrible performance by Tyler McGill. Even after 
the defensive miscue that led to the Mervis home run. McGill's got a chance to fight through the fourth and fifth inning, and he wasn't able to do it. After the Tommy Famari had back-to-back strikeouts, but then he gave up a big hit to Matt Mervis. Then he gave up another base hit. Then he gave up a base hit to Dansby Swanson, who's a pain in the ass. So McGill had opportunities in the second and fourth to get through it and not have this outing be as disastrous as it was, and he failed. And it goes back to an issue we've seen a lot this season. You get three and two-thirds innings from your starting pitching, it's a recipe for disaster. Look, credit to the Met bullpen, Leon, Nagosik, and Brigham were actually not that bad. I mean, they only gave up one run after that, the Morel home run. So if the Mets get a couple of big hits, you may look back at the bullpen performance and say, hey, they kept them in the game. So the Mets lose game one for two reasons. The lack of clutch hitting, doesn't that sound familiar? And a terrible performance by their starting pitching. And that's how the tone is set in the opener of this series. And the tone was set with a lineup that was not ideal. It was set with horrible defense. It was set with not getting Nimmo home in the top of the first inning. And they had a really good promising first inning because even when they don't score, they had long at-bats and they made Drew Smiley throw 25 pitches. Big whoop. It did nothing. And they lose 7-2. to two. 